Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. And this week on the Sports Media Podcast, we have a little something different for you. We're bringing you an excerpt from a podcast that we're big fans of. The podcast is called Against the Rules. On Against the Rules, best-selling author Michael Lewis, yes, the Michael Lewis behind Moneyball and The Big Short, as well as many other memorable books, takes a hard look at authority figures in American life and tries to understand what their experiences tell us about fairness. He's talked to referees, he's talked to coaches, and now he's taking on a new group, experts. Michael wants to know, why is a country so good at creating experts, so bad at taking their advice? Because while experts are getting better and better, we are getting less willing to hear what they have to say. This season on Against the Rules, you'll meet oceanographers and baseball writers, nurses, former gang members, people who don't have a lot in common, but the mixed blessing of their expertise. The clip you're about to hear features Bill James, the man who's at the heart of Moneyball, and a baseball statistician who many of you who are sports fans are well aware of. In many ways, thanks to Bill, it's no longer just baseball players who get dubbed the experts, but the people who study the game and analyze the data. You'll hear about how Bill's childhood had a lot to do with his obsession with baseball. And with Bill, it was never just about the sport itself. It was about using the sport to make sense of the world around him. Okay, here's the preview. I hope you really enjoy it. You can hear the full episode and more from Against the Rules wherever you get your podcasts. We weren't loners exactly, but we just liked being together, just the two of us. We did everything together. Bill's sister, Nell Ritchie. I remember uh, we didn't have um, kindergarten in our little town. We went straight into first grade. So when I went into first grade, I took him with me. I remember just dragging him along to school with me. And he'd sit on my desk and he loved it. At, at any point, did it occur to you that he had an unusual view of the world around him? Yes. <laughs> You know, in the evenings, we didn't have television. So in the evenings, we had to amuse ourselves. And the way he amused himself was he just had a big chief tablet and three shoe boxes full of um, baseball cards. And he would just write poems of a player's name and then all these numbers out to the side and another name and all these numbers out to the side. And he did it night after night after night. He'd have pages and pages of columns of numbers and names. It was never just about numbers for Bill James. It was a search for meaning. The James family didn't have a religion, but Nell went out and got one. And so, in a way, did Bill. I don't know. <laughs> you find, find one thing, just the one thing. And the one thing for me is, is Jesus. And the one thing for Bill is baseball. You get the idea. To a young, effectively orphaned Bill James, baseball was never just baseball. When I was 11, I was massively confused about the nature of the universe and why it hated me. Uh, and uh, uh, it became very important to me to uh, create an order to the universe. Baseball was the starting point. It was, a, it was the stake in the ground that I used to try to uh, make what sense I could out of a overwhelmingly complicated universe. 
why is it such a particularly good place to do the kind of thinking you did? Baseball is very, very orderly. In, in baseball, the players take turns. They, they stop at marked off points, point one or point two or point three, or they come home. There are a number of outs. It's an extremely orderly universe. Aiming the ball and just pushing it towards the plate with that bad arm. Throw to first, not in time. Johnny Lewis diving back. Life could feel senseless, but baseball could be fully understood. And it seemed to be understood. To hear the insiders talk, you'd think the big things worth knowing were already known. Year before last, the 1963 season, Washburn won five in a row at the start of the year. And that's when he suffered the most. At what point in your life do you first recall having thoughts about the game that might be different from? the thoughts that are coming out of the mouths of announcers and sports writers and, and the kind of people who talk publicly about the game. Uh, in 1966, there was an article in the Sporting News saying that the Dodgers were thinking about uh, whether they could keep Wes Parker in the lineup. I don't know who Wes Parker is either, but that's okay. Wes Parker isn't the point here. The point is the young Bill James and the way he mulled over what everyone else was saying. Wes Parker was a very fine defensive first baseman, uh, but he didn't hit. And they were thinking about whether they could afford to keep him in the lineup, although they said he probably saves the Dodgers a hit per game with his glove. It struck him that the value of taking a hit away from the other team was the same as getting a hit for your team. If Wes Parker in every game took a hit away from the other team, then Wes Parker was in effect a 470 hitter. That would make him the best hitter who ever lived. And if Wes Parker was the best hitter who ever lived, you'd better keep him in the lineup, no matter how bad he was at everything else. I wrote a 12 to 15 page letter and sent it to the Sporting News, which you can imagine what their <laughs> reaction to that was. Anyway, let us say they did not publish it. Uh, so, so by 1966, I was quite certainly having chains of thought about the game that were different than what I was being told. You were, already, you were already thinking this is worth arguing about. Yes. Bill was only 16 at the time. His sister, Nell, soon left home and got married. Bill went to college at the University of Kansas. He took classes in economics, but only because he saw that he could apply economics to baseball. From a distance, his life seemed almost normal. Only his sister was close enough to see that it wasn't. If I'd have asked you, as he gets a bit older, like, mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen to your brother when he grows up? What do, I, what do you think you might have said? What's he going to be? He went to college. He got his degrees. And then he didn't do anything with them. And I remember that, you know, I was grown, obviously, by then. And I was just puzzled. What in the heck? Because he, you know, he, he spent all that time and energy and money getting these degrees, and he's working as a night watchman in a pork and bean factory. What in the heck is going on? Bill James guarded pork and beans, and not just any pork and beans. Stokely Van Camp's pork and beans. They've been a part of the family for over a century. I used to eat those beans when I was a little kid, so it's possible Bill James was guarding my beans. One of America's great simple pleasures. Anyway, guarding these beans, 
gave him time and space to do what he really wanted to do. Think even more about baseball. I was not a self-confident person. I was not a polite person, to be blunt. Uh, And I was not the kind of person who could put on a suit and go do a job interview and get a good job. I just wasn't made that way. You know, one of the things that kind of was just there in our lives was that you just accept people the way they are. And that was the way he was. So long as they don't get in any trouble and they don't borrow money from you, you're, you know, and just leave them alone. And so we just kind of left him alone. The pork and beans must have guarded themselves because inside Stokely Van Camp's factory, Bill James got busy cutting and pasting baseball statistics gleaned from newspapers, doing what computers and spreadsheets in the cloud would one day make far easier, but doing it, of course, without those tools. Searching for patterns in the numbers, digging for a better understanding of his small, orderly universe, so he could write a book. There was a a community of people here who played this local product called Ballpark Baseball. But that community of people who were very much like me that community of people was maybe 75 or 100 people, right? Well, if there are 75 or 100 people in Lawrence, Kansas, who have that interest, how many are there in the country? It was a very Bill James thing to do. Look to data to measure his potential audience. Do the math. You know, you come up with an answer that's around, what, you know, two, three million, something. I don't know. And I suppose, well, probably it isn't that large, but it's got to be large enough. He never imagined a real publisher would publish his book because there was nothing like his book. And so he'd need to make a photocopy for each and every reader. He was 27 years old when he finished it. 1977 baseball abstract. Not even the 1977 baseball abstract. Just 1977 baseball abstract. You open the first page of the 1977 abstract, which I have in my hands right right now, and it's just... It's like, it's month by month batting statistics of, right. of, every, of all major leaguers who appeared in 100 or more games in 1976. Uh, and it goes on for 30 pages. It's just, it's right. just, bo- it's just stats. Right. But, but in my mind, when I started writing the book, it was most, something much greater than that. But when I started writing, I had no idea how difficult it was to write a book. When you're thinking someone's going to pick up this book and be interested in it, what makes you think that the first 30 pages, <laughs> the numbers in these first 30 pages are going to get it going? The, the fact that I was slow to find my voice and my confidence is critical to my having been successful because uh, I felt strongly that no one is going to listen to me. I always felt like Uh, In order for anyone to pay attention to me, I had to have a specific fact that I could point to. So you led with these facts, which don't make for the most thrilling reading, unless you're really interested in those facts. Um, And they're your anchor. Uh, I mean, they keep you honest. Yes. It took Bill James 31 pages of his first book before he finally used some words. But once he did, you could see him planting the seeds of a revolution— that would grow and upend all of baseball. That was a preview of Against the Rules with Michael Lewis from our friends at Pushkin Industries. You can hear more from Against the Rules 
wherever you get your podcasts.